0: This is your favorite sports podcast on the official Mooses Mulligans website. Now here's your host, Alex Streisick. Welcome to Moose's Mulligans for a special 50th episode. It's gone really fast so far, hasn't it? But I'm here to bring you the favorite moments we've had so far in the show. Uh, You know, we've had some amazing friends come on. It's not show friends, it's show business. And you know, we've had some amazing discussions too. There's been some unbelievable lessons learned that I think we can apply still, and I want to review them here. So I'm going to take some of my uh, favorite audio clips we have. Not all my favorites, but most of my favorites here. And uh, let's get it started right now. There's about eight weeks left in the regular season. And that began this Thursday. And there's just no reason to think that the bad trend we're seeing is going to stop. Because there's no reason for people to really return to watching football after all the debates and town halls and all these other things. It's just... To me, ratings I saw are down 5.5%, and that's a stat from Darren Rovell of ESPN. And through the first nine weeks of the 2017, compared to the first nine weeks of 2016, that's 5.5%, is a big number. So I got my first statement, you know, I thought long and hard on this one. But, uh, so, the Eric Bledsoe trade puts the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Ooh, ooh, that's close. Ooh. I'm going to say yes. I think it's going to be really close. Uh, if, the Wizard, if the Wizards and Bucks play each other in the first round as a 4-5 seed, I can see the Bucks winning that series. But as soon as they play either Boston or the Cavs, I think they'll lose in that uh, semifinal. Yeah, I'm still going to say no and BS. I'm going to agree with you. I'm staying with my preseason prediction where I had the Celtics, and then I either had the Cavs or Pistons. I was trying to do my little underdog story, and so far they have not disappointed with Avery Bradley and Andre Drummond shooting free throws. The United States Little League teams, I don't think they're committed enough to do what these Japanese Little League teams do. So what are they supposed to do about it? They have to commit to making adjustments themselves. They need to make the adjustments to what they are currently doing. And if they don't make the adjustments, then don't complain about Japan's Little League team winning the Little League World Series. They're just going to continue to dominate. They're going to continue to do it right for Little League. And, you know, they're just going to keep winning. And if you want to continue to be embarrassed by them, continue to get just mercy ruled in a championship game, and honestly, no team threatened Japan in that whole tournament. If you want this to continue going on, then let's just keep doing what we're doing. But for the U.S., I feel like there's a little more pride than that. And honestly, I think they can make the adjustments. The question is, will they? And it's definitely not a lack of talent in the US, we definitely have a lot of talented baseball players, which gives me hope that this adjustment will happen and the United States can find their way back to the top of the Little League World Series consistently. Woohoo! USA! 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 Just, just think about what you're doing. This is just like the kicker at UCF. You're keeping him from helping his family, and it's not like he really took an unfair advantage on his YouTube channel. It is driving me nuts. There's no way you'll convince me that this was the right decision, NCAA. So you got a lot of questions to answer lately, and all I can think about is two kids that won't be playing football next year because of your stupid decisions. <laughs> It's just stupid in my mind. These kids will not be playing this next year for the dumbest reasons. Boy, I tell you, that really grinds my gears. So, basically what LeVar Ball said back to the NCAA was that you can't tell me (laughs) that you're not my boss, this kid doesn't even play for the NCAA yet, and you're trying to boss him around. He even said that he's willing to send his kids overseas or sit out two years, as he calls getting, quote, stronger, unquote. But the, the troubling news recently has been uh, in what happened to Moroni both on and off the floor. Moroni was put through terrible stresses and situations that should never happen to any athlete. So training for the Olympics is already not an easy task. But training without being fed, without being given food, makes it all the harder. Maroney would be, she was starved by her coaches because... It's such a judgmental sport that her appearance mattered so much that they wanted her as skinny as possible for her gymnastic routines. Constantly working your body to exhaustion and then not refueling it, as I'm gonna tell you, if people say you're hangry, you don't even know the half of it, you don't even know the quarter of it, you don't even know an eighth of it. What she went through is already bad enough as it was getting starved. Being that exhausted and that and that much need for food can leave an athlete in a miserable and desperate situation. And Larry Nasser took advantage of that desperate situation. With umpiring, it seems we're having a problem now with K Zone on ESPN or uh, Strike Tracker, whatever it's called for Fox. And now fans are able to see a digitalized strike zone right on their screen, which is really putting the umpires on blast lately. And. I know we've seen MLB Network analyst Eric Burns comment on him before. He said the sad thing is you have no clue what will be called a ball or a strike at any point of a game. You know, you continually on a nightly basis watch games that are affected by blown calls. And uh, Eric Burns also talked about it as, Why do millions of people now sitting at home get to know whether or not it's a ball or a strike, yet the poor dude behind home plate is the one who's left in the dark? See... When I say robot umpires, everyone assumes I'm saying get rid of umpires. We don't need one behind there. I'm not saying that. We still need calls on bases, and which get reviewed anyway these days. Calls down the line, which get reviewed anyway these days. Home runs, which get re- reviewed these days anyways. And, you know, the umpire still needs to let the crowd know if it's a ball or a strike. I mean, they easily could have something that lights up on their wrist, and they call it a ball or a strike. And uh, now we look at the stats, and... There have been a lot of studies on it, and they do track all the stats for every pitch now of what was called a strike, what wasn't, what was, and it's unbelievable some of the stats they have. Even people gambling look at this now; they bet on their umpires. Uh, you know what? I, I love it. I love that teams are realizing that they have to take the opportunity when they can instead of waiting until July 31st. Uh, if you think if you think you're you're going to make the playoffs on July 15th why wait until the 31st to make that trade, you know? Right. Make your team better as soon as possible. Uh, I really, really liked, as much as I don't like the Yankees, I really like that trade that they made uh, to get Robertson, Conley, and Frazier. I think Frazier fills a big hole at third base. Uh, Chase Headley just wasn't getting it done there. Hasn't been all that great since that incredible second half he had in, like, 2012 with the Padres. Uh, and they just turned their... Two-headed monster into a four-headed demon thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. I know where I grew up. I grew up near Dorsey High School. For those of you that are familiar with the Los Angeles area, it's a pretty poverty-stricken high school. And there's a park uh, called Baldwin Hills Park that's right around there. And there's a field, three fields that were funded by the Dodgers and that were built um, at this park to house the little league teams and a. Um, what you call it? Kind of like a travel team? Right, like, like a to, travel team to host and whatnot. And after about three to four years, slowly you saw the deterioration of all that work and money that was put in due to the fact that there just aren't people that are willing to put in the time or effort uh, to the kids in their future. All these protests have been peaceful. I have no problem with them expressing their right to protest. However, we also need to look at this from the owner's perspective. The NFL owners are using their American right to decide who they want to hire to work for their organization. So they're exercising their right as owners of their business and workplace. And we have a problem with that? Doesn't that contradict what you're trying to harp on with freedom of speech and choice when you're trying to force a decision on someone? You're entitled to express your feelings, but it doesn't mean you're going to get your way. It's a beautiful and American thing to see Colin Kaepernick express his feelings and opinions knowing the consequences that could follow. Yeah, I do think so. I mean, Iowa has been great for um, supporting us and um, wanting us to do really well in the Big Ten and everywhere. I wouldn't change anything about Title IX. I think the people who argue Title IX is outdated are incredibly out of touch um IX does more than just provide equality for women in sports it provides equality in their education and prevents them from um having to deal with anything that negatively affects their education such as a uh, special harassment, sexual uh sexually hostile environment um i actually do say i have had um equal opportunity at my school um what is For instance, uh, men and the women both practice at the same field, and um, we both have a full-time athletic trainer. Yeah, I know a lot about Title IX, actually. In high school, I was the president of the Girls Athletic Association, so every year we would attend a Title IX conference on the anniversary of Title IX. And it was really cool. We have a lot of guest speakers, um, mostly professional athletes who uh, had been personally affected by Title IX. And it was always really cool. And it's really cool to experience all girl athletes from several different schools coming together, you know, to appreciate the opportunities that we have that Title IX has given us to compete in, you know, um, sports in school. Um, and it's really cool because, you know, that's an unforgettable unforgettable experience to play a sport for for your school and to just compete as a girl um you know along with the guys teams so michael jordan restated what he had said before and that he would rather start a franchise with kobe bryant over lebron james so that is where i give kobe I, I give it to him you know he's made nine all defensive first teams lebron's made five so far but i look at it lebron's a four-time league mvp Kobe's a one-time MVP, and they're both already tied at 11 All-NBA First teams. And when when you just scroll down the stats, and you know, in regular season, LeBron's 27.1 points per game, which is 2.1 more than Kobe. He averages about two more rebounds per game, almost three more assists, and... Then there's this clutch question that comes in about LeBron in the playoffs versus Kobe. But in the playoffs, LeBron actually averages 2.8 more points per game than Kobe. He averaged 3.8 more rebounds per game and 2.2 more assists per game. To me, it's no contest. LeBron, I'd rather start my franchise with. Because, to me, he gives my team the best opportunity to score the the most points, which is what matters in basketball. I see where you're coming from with all the stats. stats are great. But, you know, and coming up with a clutch... LeBron is actually understated, but Kobe in, in the clutch has been amazing, especially in that Game 4 of the 2000 NBA Finals. Without that Game 4, without that overtime win, without Kobe, they probably don't win that first championship. Right. And so Shaft played a great, great series. Yeah, if, if you want clutch shots, you know, Big Shot Rob, Robert Ori is better than all of them, and you know, Chauncey Bills Mr. Big Shot... But what really gets me on the clutch shots alone, I can't look at, it, is because like Ori shot 36% from the field in all his playoff games, and Billups barely over 30%. It does say a lot about Kobe, but I don't know if you put him on that Cavaliers team that LeBron got swept in the finals. I don't, I don't think they make it very far in the playoffs. And with LeBron, you know, it's just when I look back at it, he he really can carry a team, and it's not like it's, I don't, I don't know how to. It's sort of a surrounding cast thing, but. I'm not going to take from Kobe and his five rings. I mean, Ori has seven, so I don't really look at the rings as much as a, uh, a bunch of NBA players really do. Even Ori said that LeBron doesn't need to get any more rings to be talked with Jordan. The whole point it comes down to me is I don't, there's so many better conversations to have in the NBA, like Duncan versus Elijah Wan, And this, this one just seems out of sorts to me. I'd rather discuss Kobe versus MJ or LeBron versus like Magic Johnson because they're more of an equal match. And we always get stuck in this thing because I, I don't even think it's a, that big of a different call. I, I, I just think LeBron can do more as a player, and that's not Kobe's fault. Kobe really succeeds in his specialty. But for LeBron, he can do more for me. That's why I'm picking him. That's why I would compare him to Magic Johnson. All right, that'll about wrap it up for our special 50th episode here. Hope you got to see some of the cool stuff. And if you missed some of the old episodes, you got to see some of the cool stuff we've done over the show. Make sure to go to moosesmulligans.weebly.com and facebook.com slash moosesmulligans. And continue to add to the show. As you've seen, we've had a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool contributions, and I look forward to seeing what we can do in the future. So until next week, I'm your host, Alex Strizak, on your favorite sports podcast for Money Talks and BS Walks. We'll see you next week.